0: This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit garynorth.com slash books to read other articles. He Shall Have Dominion by Kenneth L. Gentry, Jr. Copyright 1992. Published by the Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas. Chapter 3. The Pessimistic Millennial Views Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Acts 1 6. The discussion of cosmic eschatology necessarily involves the entire sweep of history, including the spiritual forces that impel the forward movement of history toward its God predestined consummation. It also includes the complex series of events associated with the end of history. There is one aspect of the popular debate, however, that has risen to dominance. This is the idea of the millennium, which has been called one of the most controversial and intriguing questions of eschatology. The Millennial Idea The word millennium is derived from the Latin, being a combination of mille, thousand, and enus, year. This theological term, employed as early as 1938 by Cambridge scholar Joseph Mead, is ultimately based on the reference to the thousand years of Christ's reign in Revelation twenty two through seven. The Greek based derivation is called Chiliad from the Greek thousand, chilias. Millennialism and Chialism etymologically, have the same con- connotation and are used interchangeably in eschatological discussion, although the term millennialism is far more common today. Though common in modern discussion and debate, the reference to a thousand-year millennium associated with the divine kingdom in history is rare in Scripture. In fact, it is found only in the first few verses of one chapter in all of Scripture. Oftentimes, it seems, the eschatological debate is somewhat hampered due to the inordinate influence of Revelation 20. Princeton Seminary's post-millennial theologian Benjamin B. Warfield commentated on this as long ago as 1915. The term millennium has entered Christian speech under the influence of the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. From that passage, imperfectly understood, there has also been derived the idea, which is con- connected with the term premillennial, postmillennial, or therefore, unfortunate terms, embodying and so perpetuating a misapprehension of the bearing of an important passage of scripture. Hokeman notes that the book of Revelation speaks of certain individuals who are said to live and reign with Christ a thousand years, chapter 24, chapter 20, verse 4. Divergent interpretations of this passage have led to the formation of at least four major views about the nature of the millennium or the millennial reign here described. It is often the case that premillennial theologians and dispensational theologians are more enamored with Revelation 20 than others. Writing of some of the great non premillennialists Christian theologians of the century dispensationalist L. S. Chaffert derides such exegetes because of their view of Revelation 20. Their abandonment of reason and sound interpretation has but one objective in mind, namely to place the Chiloy, thousand years, six times repeated in Revelation chapter twenty back into the past, and therefore something no longer to be anticipated in the future. The violence which this interpretation imposes on the whole prophetic revelation is such that none would propose it except for those who, for lack of attention, seem not to realize what they do. In sheer fantastical imagination, this method surpasses Russellism, Eddianism, Seventh-day Adventism. He speaks of antimillennialism as a strange theory, the origin of which is traced to the romish notion, the Church is the Kingdom. In a calmer tone, historic premillennialist Ladd admits, We must recognize frankly that in all the verses cited thus far, it would seem that the eschatological kingdom will be inaugurated by a single complex event, consisting of the day of the Lord, the coming of the Son of Man, the resurrection of the dead, and the final judgment. However, in the one book which is entirely devoted to the subject, the Revelation of John, this scheme is modified. The theology that is built on this passage is Millennialism, or Chilism. This is the most natural interpretation of the Revelation twenty passage and it is the view of the present author. One thing must be granted, this is the only place in scripture which teaches a thousand-year reign of Christ. The Standard Millennial Positions In developing a systematic eschatology, the standard evangelical viewpoints have tended to be sorted out among millennial lines. The term millennium is used in association with prefixes that tend to modify the second coming of Christ as it is in relation to the millennium, amillennial, premillennial, and postmillennial. The private a in amillennial emphasizes that there will be no earthly millennial kingdom as such. The prefix pre indicates that the system of eschatology that expects there will be a literal earthly millennial kingdom that will be introduced by the return of Christ pre or before it. The prefix post points to the view of the, of the millennium that holds that there will be a lengthy, though not literal thousand years, earthly era of righteous influence for the kingdom that will be concluded by the return of Christ. Puritan-era postmillennialism tended to expect a literal thousand-year millennium introduced by the conversion of the Jews, rather than the return of Christ, as the last stage of Christ's earthly kingdom. Modern postmillennialism tends to see the thousand years as a symbolic figure covering the entirety of the Christian era. There is an important subclass in the premillennial view that has arisen since the 1830s. It is known as dispensationalism. It is worth noting that historic premillennialists strongly disavow any systematic commonality with dispensationalism. Premillennialist George E. Ladd vigorously protests the equation of dispensationalism and historic premillennialism. He even calls any equating of the two a mistake. This explains why the popular book edited by Robert G. Klaus is entitled The Meaning of the Millennium, Four Views. Dispensationalists are aware of their own distinctive differences as well. Ryrie even comments, "...perhaps the issue of premillennialism is determinative for dispensationalism." Again, the answer is negative, for there are those who are premillennial who are definitely not dispensational. The covenant premillennialists hold to the concept of the covenant of grace and the central soteriological purpose of God. He retains the idea of the millennial kingdom, though he finds little support for it in the Old Testament prophecies since he generally assigns them to the church." The kingdom, in his view, is markedly different from that which is taught by dispensationalists since it loses much of its Jewish character due to the slighting of the Old Testament promises concerning the kingdom. There is a helpful theological sorting difference created by O.T. Alice and modified by J. Adams that works generally well in classifying the three basic millennial positions. Two questions tend to sort the positions into one of the three most basic schools. The questions are, one, what is the chronology of the kingdom? Question 2. What is the nature of the kingdom? The question of chronology has to do with the timing of Christ's second advent in relation to the establishment of the kingdom. If his coming is before the kingdom, then the, the position is premillennial. If it is after the kingdom, then it may be either amillennial or postmillennial. The, ki- the question as to the nature of Christ's kingdom has to do with the historical character of the kingdom. If the kingdom has, is to have a radical, objective, transforming influence in human culture, it is either premillennial or postmillennial. If it is not to have such, it is all millennial. I will now turn to a summ- summary of the millennial positions and a brief listing of some of their leading advocates. The positions will be considered in alphabetical order. Three millennial positions will be defined in this chapter. Postmillennialism will be dealt with in the following chapter and end in somewhat more detail. Two qualifications need to be borne in mind as the list of adherents is surveyed. First, the ancient examples of the various millennial views hold to certain distinctive features of the millennial views and would not necessarily adhere to a full-blown systematic presentation. Second, it should be understood that any particular adherent to one of the following views may disagree with some aspect as presented in my summation. There are always differences of nuance among adherents to any particular system, Nevertheless, the presentation attempts to portray accurately the salient features of the systems. Amillennialism Definition Hokema describes amillennialism in the following words. Amillennialists interpret the millennium mentioned in Revelation 24-6 as describing the present reign of the souls of deceased believers with Christ in heaven. They understand the binding of Satan mentioned in the first three verses of this chapter as being in effect during the entire period between the first and second comings of Christ, though ending shortly before Christ's return. They teach that Christ will return after this heavenly millennial reign. All millennialists further hold that the kingdom of God is now present in the world as the victorious Christ is ruling his people by his word and spirit, though they also look forward to a future glorious and perfect kingdom on the new earth in the life to come. Despite the fact that Christ has won a decisive victory over sin and evil, the kingdom of evil will continue to exist alongside the kingdom of God until the end of the world. Although we are already enjoying many eschatological blessings at the present time, inaugurated eschatology, we look forward to a climactic series of future events associated with the second coming of Christ, which will usher in the final state, future eschatology. So, the so-called signs of the times have been present in the world from the time of Christ's first coming, but they will come to a more intensified final manifestation just before his second coming the all-millennialist therefore expects the bringing of the gospel to an all nations and the conversion of the fullness of israel to be completed before christ returns he also looks for an intensified form of tribulation and apostasy as well for the appearance of a personal antichrist before the second coming the all-millennialist understands the second coming of christ to be a single event not one that involves two phases. At the time of Christ's return, there will be a general resurrection, both of believers and unbelievers. After the resurrection, believers who are then alive shall be transformed and glorified. These two groups, raised believers and transformed believers, are then caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. After this rapture of all believers, Christ will complete his descent to earth and conduct the final judgment. After the judgment of Unbelievers will be consigned to internal punishment, whereas believers will enjoy forever the blessings of the new heaven and the new earth. Englisma adds, As a theology of hope, the Reformed faith, amillennialism, directs the saint's expectation to the great good in the future that is the genuine object of hope. This is not some event within time and history, but the event that is the end of time and history, the coming of Jesus Christ. Faithful to its calling as the theology of hope The Reformed truth on Millennialism rigorously reproots all false hopes that spring up among Christians. Earthly success, establishing the kingdom of Christ on earth in a carnal form before the day of Christ, i.e. a utopia. Descriptive features one. The church age is the kingdom era, prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. The people of God are expanded from Israel of the Old Testament to the universal church of the New Testament, becoming the Israel of God. 2. Satan is bound during Christ's earthly ministry at his first coming. His binding prevents him from totally hindering the proclamation of the gospel. This allows for the conversion of great numbers of sinners to Christ and ensures some restraint upon evil. 3. Christ now rules spiritually in the hearts of believers. There will be occasional short-lived influences of Christianity on culture, where Christians live out the implications of their faith. 4. History will gradually worsen as the growth of evil accelerates towards the end. This will culminate in the Great Tribulation with the arising of of a personal Antichrist. 5. Christ will return to end history, resurrect and judge all men, and establish the eternal order. The eternal destiny of the redeemed may be either in heaven or in a totally renovated new earth. Representative Adherence In the ancient church, the following are non-millennialists who seem to best fit with the amelianal viewpoint. Hermes, from the first century, Polycarp, A.D. 69-105, through 105, Clement of Rome, A.D. 30-100, through 100, Ignatius, A.D. 107. In the modern church, we may note the following, J.E. Adams, Louis Burkhoff, G.C. Burkauer, William E. Cox, William B. Gaffin, W.J. Grier. Floyd E Hamilton, Herman Hanko, William Hendrickson, Jesse William Hodges, Anthony A Hokema, Philip E Hughes, Abraham Koeper, RCH Lenski, George L Murray, Albertus Peters, Vern S Polythres, Herman Ritterbos, Ray Summers, EJ Young, and Bruce Welk. Dispensationalism. Definition. Ryrie, the leading dispensational theologian of our time, defines his dispensationalism in the following manner. Dispensationalists believe that theirs is the historic faith of the church. Holding to a literal interpretation of the scripture, they believe that the promises made to Abraham and David are unconditional and have had or will have a literal fulfillment. In no sense have these promises made to Israel been abrogated or fulfilled by the church, which is a distinct body in this age having promises and a destiny different from Israel's. At the close of this age, premillennialists believe that Christ will return for his church, meeting her in the air. This is not the second coming of Christ, which event called the rapture or translation will usher in a seven-year period of tribulation on the earth. After this, the Lord will return to the earth, this is the second coming of Christ, to establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years, during which time the promises to Israel will be fulfilled. Elsewhere, he defines the area of a dispensation within the dispensational schema of history. A dispensation is a distinguishable economy in the outworking of God's purpose. If one were describing a dispensation, he would include other things, such as the ideas of distinctive revelation, testing, failure, and judgment. Descriptive Features 1. The Davidic Kingdom, an earthly political kingdom, was offered by Christ in the first century. It was rejected by the Jews and thereby postponed into the future. 2. The Church Age is a wholly unforeseen and distinct era in the plan of God. It was altogether unknown to and unexpected by the Old Testament prophets. It is called a parenthesis. 3. God has a separate and distinct program and plan for the racial Israel as distinguished from the church. The church of Jesus Christ is a parenthetical aside in the original plan of God. Four, the church may experience occasional small-scale successes in history, but ultimately she will lose influence, fail in her mission, and become corrupted, as worldwide evil intensifies toward the end of the church age. Five, Christ will return secretly in the sky to rapture living saints and resurrect the bodies of deceased saints, the first resurrection. These will be removed out of the world before the Great Tribulation. The judgment of the saints will be accomplished in heaven during the seven-year Great Tribulation period before Christ's bodily return to earth. Six, at the conclusion of the seven-year Great Tribulation, Christ will return to, earth, to the earth in order to establish and personally administer a Jewish political kingdom headquartered at Jerusalem for a thousand years. During this time, Satan will be bound to and the temple and the sacrificial system will be reestablished In Jerusalem as memorials. 7. Toward the end of the millennial kingdom, Satan will be loosed and Christ surrounded and attacked at Jerusalem. Christ will call down fire from heaven to destroy his enemies. The resurrection, the second resurrection, and judgment of the wicked will occur, initiating the eternal order. Representative Adherence. In the ancient church, none... This belief was created in, in 1830. The, the Modern Church, Robert Anderson, Gleason L Archer Jr, Charles F Baker, Emory H Bancroft, Donald G Barnhouse, W E Blackstone, James M Brooks, Richard H Bube, L S Chafer, John Nelson Darby, M R Dehan, William Evans, Charles Lee Feinberg, John S Feinberg, Paul Feinberg A.C. Gableon, George Geisler, James M. Gray, Harry A. Ironside, Walter C. Kaiser, William Kelly, Hall Lindsay, P- Robert P. Leitner, Elva J. McLean, G. Campbell Morgan, J. Dwight Pentecost, Charles C. Ryrie, C.I. Schofield, Henry C. Thysen, John F. Walvoord, and Warren Worsby. Premillennialism definition. George Eldon Ladd, a leading advocate of historic premillennialism in recent times, defines the system for us. Premillennialism is a doctrine stating that after the second coming of Christ, he will reign for a thousand years over the earth before the final consummation of God's redemptive purpose in the new heavens and the new earth of the age to come. This is the natural reading of Revelation 21 through 6. Revelation nineteen eleven through 16 pictures the second coming of Christ as a conqueror coming to destroy his enemies, the Antichrist, Satan, and death. Revelation 19, 17-21 pictures first the destruction of Antichrist and the hosts which have supported him in opposition to the kingdom of God. Revelation 20 then relates the destruction of the evil power behind the Antichrist. This occurs in two stages. First, Satan is bound and incarcerated in the bottomless pit, Revelation 21, for a thousand years. At this time occurs the first resurrection, Revelation 20, 5, of saints who share Christ's rule over the earth for a thousand years. After this, Satan is loosed from his bonds, and in spite of the fact that Christ has reigned over the earth for a thousand years, he finds the hearts of unregenerate men still ready to rebel against God. The final, the final eschatological war follows when the devil is thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. Then occurs a second resurrection of those who had not been raised before the millennium. Elsewhere he adds The gospel is not to conquer the world and subdue all nations itself. Hatred and conflict and war will continue to characterize the age until the coming of the Son of Man. Evil will mark the course of the age. Descriptive features 1. The New Testament era church is the initial phase of Christ's kingdom as prophesied by the Old Testament prophets. 2. The New Testament Church may win occasional victories in history, but ultimately she will fail her mission, lose influence, and become corrupted as worldwide evil increases towards the end of the Church Age. 3. The Church will pass through a future worldwide unprecedented time of travail. This era is known as the Great Tribulation, which will punctuate the end of contemporary history. Historic premillennialists are post-tribulational. 4. Christ will return at the end of the tribulation to rapture the church, resurrect deceased saints, and conduct the judgment of the righteous in the twinkling of an eye. 5. Christ will then descend to the earth with his glorified saints, fight the battle of Armageddon, bind Satan, and establish a worldwide political kingdom, which will be personally administered by him for a thousand years from Jerusalem. 6. 6. At the end of the millennial reign, Satan will be loosed and a massive rebellion against the kingdom and a fierce assault against Christ and his saints will occur. 7. God will intervene with fiery judgment to rescue Christ and the saints. The resurrection and the judgment of the wicked will occur and the eternal order will begin. Representative Adherence In the ancient church, Papias 60-130 through Justin Martyr 100 through 165 Irenaeus, 130 through 202 Tertullian 160 through 220 In the modern church Henry Alford E B Elliot W J Erdmond A R Fawcett Henry W Frost F Godet H G Guinness Robert H Gundry S H Kellogg D H Cominga, George Eldon Ladd Philip Morrow J. Barton Payne, George N. H. Peters, Alexander Rees, R. A. Torrey, S. Peter Galis, Nathaniel West, and Theodore Zahn. Conclusion Certainly, each of the millennial views presented above has characteristic features that are different enough to distinguish them. These differences are of no small consequence, yet one thing unifies these millennial views. Overall Pessimism Regarding the Hope for Christian Civilization in Present History Such pessimism is a fundamentally important matter when men attempt to, to develop and promote a Christian worldview. It is this intrinsic pessimism that is a characteristic distinctive of these views when classed together in opposition to postmillennialism. In the next chapter, I will turn to consider postmillennialism in a somewhat fuller manner, as I do it will be important to appreciate the optimism inherent in postmillennialism, an optimism that is of the very essence of a genuinely Christian worldview and which is so essential to the building of Christian civilization. The kingdom of God in history is a civilization as surely as the kingdom of Satan in history is a civilization. Both kingdoms are spiritual, both are civilizations. One wins in history.